This week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Free agency begins on Sunday. Are you ready for the madness? We'll give you the names of a few guys that could be on the move. Westberg and the Junior Seals host the first ever Seals Summer Shootout this weekend. We'll talk to Coach Berg and see how things are going. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Flair right down the middle, shoots and he scores! On the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, along with iTunes and Spotify. I truly hope you are all ready for the madness that is about to begin on Sunday. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, on Instagram, OTCB Podcast, and you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We have some things to get to. Um, it was a bit of a slow news week in general, like in grand scheme of things this week in the world of lacrosse. Um, but there are some things we could talk about. But before we get into anything, I think we all need to take a moment and just send our deepest wishes, speediest recoveries, condolences, all our strength to our guy, Danny Lomas. One half of the epic duo that is the Back of the Bird podcast, along with Paul Dawson. Uh, Lomer was playing for the Oakville Rock in the opening games of the MSL season. And one of those things that was just a regular lacrosse play, he's just on the floor running back into the defense, I think. And just instantly knows that he's injured. And if you were watching the game on YouTube, shout out JVI and all the people at the MSL for getting those games broadcasted. Um, But if you were watching and you had your volume up, you heard some absolutely blood-curdling, bone-chilling Screams from Danny Lomas in the pain that he was in. And you never, ever, ever want to see someone go down with a bad injury. 
We just hope Danny will be able to return soon and get back to playing, but it does seem like it's going to be a bit of a road to recovery. Uh, I chatted with him briefly the other day. He was just waiting to see the doctors um, and get the full prognosis. But again, it didn't, it, there wasn't contact. It wasn't in the boards. It was just kind of center aisle of the floor. It, it kind of sounds and seemed Achilles-ish. Um, but we don't want to speculate until obviously the news is out. But again, we, we never, ever want to see people get hurt. And it is horrific to see things like that happen, especially after everybody had been off for so long and the MSL had finally was back and they were going to play this little um, showcase exhibition series. And I think the Oakville game was the first game out, out of the gate. And this happens. And th this is my concern, and I'm been seeing it with the junior team that I coach right now is that these lacrosse players, no matter how old they are or how young they are, have been off high paced impact, like full on lacrosse for nearly two years. And now we throw them into the fire with very little preparation in terms of practices and getting out on the floor to full-on game speed and we expect nothing to happen just because we feel and we believe that they've all been quote keeping themselves in shape and I'm, I don't use quotes because they're not keeping themselves in shape I use the air quotes because nothing replicates gameplay and game shape like actual games you can work out every day since COVID started and be in the best shape of your life but until you're getting cross-checked on the floor and getting pushed off balance and running on the turf and, and cutting and everything that goes on in a lacrosse game, nothing replicates that. And the body is not ready for that in, at, at an instant's notice. And I'm not saying this is why the injury happened. It, it was a freak injury. And Achilles are the most freakish ligament in the body that can just go at a moment's notice. If indeed that's what it is. But I say this warning and this disclaimer because we are ramping up to the NLL season. And I just hope that these players get a long enough training camp to really get themselves into full game shape. Because usually you're playing summer lacrosse, you get a two-month break, you play NLL. NLL goes from December all the way into June. You get very little break before you're playing WLA, MSL, Rocky Mountain, PLL, whatever. So lacrosse is a 10-month sport with that two-month window, you know, late September through October before training camp starts. But after this long hiatus and throwing guys into the fire right away, and I don't believe MSL teams had any practices. Sure, guys had kind of, again, guys have been out shooting around at the box, getting their sticks ready, just kind of getting the feel of running up and down the floor, but nothing will ever prepare you for the full intense action of a lacrosse game. And that is my worry. So, Danny, 
I, I wish you the fastest of recoveries, my friend. Uh, I, I know you were itching to get back and playing just like everybody else, and you were due for a hell of a season. Um, so please get fast and get back as quick as possible, my friend. The game needs guys like you. So Sunday is the start of free agency. And there are some very interesting names that are available in the free agency pool. If you use the at NLL moves database, go follow him on Twitter. There is a tab on there of free agents, whether they be UFAs, UFA restricted, RFAs and RFAs that have been given qualifying offers. You can go through that database and I'll go ahead and say it's about 95% accurate. Obviously, there are some transactions that get delayed, but so, so the delay causes him some just guys that haven't been qualified or signed yet, whatever. But it is an incredible database. I highly suggest you check it out um, if you are interested in following along that stuff. It, it's got contract. It's got like term of contract, um, years in the league, when their free agency becomes a thing. The only thing it doesn't include is actual contract value, but that's a moot point. Until they're making millions and millions of dollars, doesn't really matter. Regardless. Um so here are some of the names, the more notable names that are available and might be on the move. Now, I'm not going to include a guy like Dane Doby or Chris Corbeil or even a Kyle Rubish because I truly don't see any way that at least for this year, those guys don't re-sign with their clubs especially Rubish and Corbio, because from people that I've spoken to and just the general sense of things around the rush is that they were always going to try and give it one more kick of the can to get another championship before it kind of went the other way. And a lot of those free agents uh, kind of went back home, whether it be to the East or to the West. It was just kind of how things were designed maybe just in how all their contracts lined up and when everyone became free agents. So I don't think those guys are going anywhere just yet. Year two down the road, I can see it happening, but right now I think those guys stay put, but some names that I truly believe could be on the move and there will be reasons for some of them. Others are just hunches. Uh, let's start with Zach Greer. Zach Greer lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. What better guy to, to sign right out of the gates in free agency if you're Bob Hamill? I know San Diego fans would love to keep him. Uh, he is an absolute amazing lacrosse player, an even better person. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Zach traveling, obviously, with the Mammoth. Um but I, I, I believe in my heart of hearts that he will soon enough be a Panther City lacrosse club player. 
just for the sole reason that he lives in the market. And also, second, like I said, he's a damn good lacrosse player and will be an excellent addition, addition to that lefty side of the offense. So there's one guy I can definitely see going. The fact that Dan Coates rejected the franchise tag with the Georgia Swarm also has me to believe that he is on the move. I believe he's helping Canisius, uh, the college program up in Canisius with Mark Miashta. Um, he lives just on the other side of the border in Canada. So that would be uh, an option for him to get with the Rock, maybe even the Bandits. Um, I believe he has some good ties with Bob Hamley from their time in Colorado and with Team Canada. Uh, so him going to Panther City would also be a pretty good landing spot. I know a bunch of us Flash guys kind of thought that he would be a great option as their first ever captain, having been the captain of the Mammoth for the last few years. So there is another name that could be on the list, and that is a high-profile name. Um, go check out Ty Marilax on uh, Twitter. He kind of breaks down that Zed Williams-Dan Coates deal and how it's kind of going the other way for the Georgia Swarm if they do indeed lose Dan Coates. What other names could be on the move? Um, Greg Downing. Probably, arguably, the most consistent and best American defender in the game right now. And he's been with the Swarm organization, the Mammoth, uh, the Fire Wolves, as they are now. Um, he was up with the Black Wolves up in Albany for a bit. He was even in Buffalo with the Blazers, the reincarnation of them. If any team could pick him up, especially an American team, I don't, I don't see any Canadian teams really reaching out to him. But if an Eastern American team can get in his ear and offer him something tasty, they would be very lucky to have him. He's a shutdown D guy. He plays physical. He plays on the edge. He's reliable. As the odd transition goal here and there, but mostly a stay-at-home D guy. But just an all-round perfect addition to any lacrosse club. There's, he's another guy I could see going on the move. Um, I don't see Adam Jones going. I'm going to go through the rest of my list here for you just because I've got it sitting right in front of me. Uh, Dan Dawson, I don't see him going anywhere. Um, you know, he, he is a, a free agent. He can re-sign with The Rock. But if he hasn't signed yet, maybe he's just trying to test the waters. Again, a, an incredibly savvy veteran, but um, has a young family, uh, has a good job with the firefighting department, I believe in Brampton. Um, you probably aren't going to see him going too far away from home. But... I think having Dan Dawson in this league one more year is going to help him uh, not only solidify his name in the National Cross League record books, uh, but just solidify his legacy in one of the game's, game's all-time greats. Um, I think he, this will be maybe his 20th year in the league. Um, he is definitely top five in pretty much every offensive stat category and climbing. Uh, a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer. He is 
and will be probably, you know, a bit of a pricey tag. But if you can get him, I think he'd be a good... I just don't know if any teams really go out of the way because of flying him in with all of his work commitments. Same with Adam Jones. We all know his story. Uh, really tough for him to make Friday games as a teacher. Uh, he could be signing somewhere else. I just, I just don't know. He's been injured. He's been in and out of the rock lineup. I, I'm not sure too many teams reach out to Adam and try to snag him up. But hey, I could be wrong. Jordan McIntosh is an interesting one. Uh, obviously a huge leader with that Swarm franchise going back to their time in Minnesota. That is another guy that is an all-round leader, performer, and talent. Is he possibly on the move? Matt Beers, the captain of the Vancouver Warriors. The fact that he hasn't signed yet Maybe, you know, he's just letting Dan Richardson get ready and rid of some other loose ends of signing guys. But I know Colorado has often been trying to get Matt Beers. Um, in years past, they would have loved, Patty Coyle would have loved to have, have had him. And I think at a few times tried to get him. So that could be a landing spot. Obviously, straight down the coast, San Diego could be a landing spot. But I I truly believe Vancouver Warrior fans would be up in arms if they lost their captain, Matt Beers. I know they just signed Reed Bowering to, I think, a two- or three-year deal. Um, and he's the future captain of that franchise. I, I just don't see how you let Matt Beers go. I don't see how The Rock let Damon Edwards go. Um, another steady defender that can play in transition and score goals um, and is a bit of a face of that franchise have, having been there so long. I don't think the Riptide lose Danny McRae, their captain. Uh, I, I really don't think Vancouver let Brett Midsky slip away as they had just acquired him uh, a couple years ago before the stop, or last year during free agency before the full stoppage of things. Hasn't even played a game for them. Obviously, Toronto made that big deal to get Jason Noble. Not sure they can afford to just let him go. And then, like I talked about with Kurt, or sorry, with Rubish and Corbeil with the rush, I don't see Evan Kirk going anywhere. Dot dot dot. Yet. Again, I, I have a feeling that that core of the rush want to stay together for one more year, try and get another title, go for their what is it ninth straight West Division regular season championship. And then they kind of all go their separate ways. Not all of them, but some of the big names. Um, we got to get to Wes. By the way, Free Agency Frenzy begins on Sunday. Stay tuned to the Lacrosse Flash and to all of our social channels as we will be breaking as much news as instantaneously as possible. Uh, Wes Berg. We spoke with Steve Govett last week talking about um, the Olympics and the growth of the game and what was needed to get there. We kind of dabbled on the growth of San Diego lacrosse and the Royals and the Junior Seals. And Steve mentioned the Seal Summer Shootout. And it is a Junior um, Seals U.S. Boxla sanctioned event. 
kids all the way from novice up and through like U16, U17, I think. So U10 to U17 college. There are, I think, like 35 teams coming to this thing. Boys and girls divisions. And Westberg is one of those coaches. And along with Cam Holding, Moose Winery, Trey LeClaire, Mac O'Keefe, Audie Stotts, the guys that are kind of down there in the area, uh, they have been doing excellent work teaching these young kids how to play box the right way. And they will all admit, right now, a lot of those kids are really green. And they still got a long way to go. But give this group five, seven years, three, seven, three to seven years, and they will be producing some talented kids. And I've often said, and we're always all going to say, the more American kids playing box at a younger age the right way, with the right rules and the right coaching, is only going to make the player pool in the National Cross League deeper. And it is only going to continue to expand the goaltending pool of the player pool, which is the most important position that we need to grow in the game right now. Wes and I talk about a lot of things. We go in depth about the Seals. We talk about the 2010 Minto Cup, living in San Diego, and looking forward to December 3rd. In San Diego Seals, it's Wes Burt right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. How are you, brother? Doing well, Teddy. How you doing? Uh, I can't complain. It's a, a nice day here in Victoria. We talked to Steve Govett last week, and he said it was pretty damn hot down there. How's the weather today? Yeah, yeah, it was really hot this past weekend, but uh, a little cloudy today, which is always good for coaching. Uh, stay out of the sun, so no, it'll be good. Um, you are very active and busy down there in San Diego right now. You and, and Cam and Moose, even, you know, Trey and Audie and Mac are helping out with the Junior Seals and the Royals. How much fun are you guys having coaching now that, you know, you've got some time off from, from camps and games and, and looking forward to the season, but how much fun are you guys having coaching right now? Yeah, it's a ton of fun. We got a got a good group of coaches and a great group of kids. So it's it's pretty cool to to coach from all the way from novice up to the these college kids. So it's it's refreshing getting uh, getting to coach some of the college kids and the the amount of talent that they have. But they're you know very very new to the box across game. So it's it's been cool kind of teaching them a little bit of uh, box one hundred and one. But they're picking it up pretty quick. And then our young guys we've been coaching since the fall are, are just getting better and better. So we've. Uh, We've had quite a bit of fun at the, the Denver tournament and then that uh, game against the the, Dra the North County Dragons uh, last weekend. And then we've got our own San Diego tournament coming up. So it's been uh, it's been busy, that's for sure. But it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll definitely talk about the, the SEAL summer shootout in a minute. But when, when you go from coaching the college kids to all the way down to novice kids who are like nine, 10 years old, what's what's the hardest challenge? Um, and, and kind of switching up drills and techniques and formations that you do with those younger guys. Yeah, sometimes the younger guys, it's a little bit like herding cats. So <laughs> for the most part, you just got to keep, keep their attention and, and kind of have some fun. And biggest thing is getting them uh, using their stick. So, you know, at that age, it's all about stick skills and being able to kind of get the ball in and out of your stick on the run. And there's not a whole lot of X's and O's you're teaching anybody. It's it's make sure and uh, kids are running back on defense. So you don't have, you know, breakaway after breakaway. That's right. kind of the thing with the novice kids, but they're a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a bundle of energy. And then, you know, the college kids is awesome because they're all pretty driven and 
um, they understand that this is a great way to kind of help hone in their skills and for guys trying to, you know, either get a get a playing spot on a college team or, or uh, you know, there's a few, all the transfer portals, portal is just crazy right now. So kids trying to move up to division one and, and uh, transfer teams and, you know, walking onto a new team, you want to be really sharp. So they understand uh, how important it is and it's, they're, you know, there's a little bit more teaching and, and kind of trying to have them understand the box game a bit more, which is, it's been fun, but they've picked it up really quick. Yeah, just watching some of the highlights from the games this past weekend with the Dragons and the Royals. The, not only are those kids very talented, there's some big kids out there on that floor for you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got a couple of kids. Uh, yeah, Oscar's oh, he's probably 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and, you know, a couple of really good athletes. So it's uh, it's a ton of fun. I mean, we're again, like I said, we're still really green to the – the box game we were we were, you know we played our friday game and i was thinking oh these you know they look pretty good and then we watched some of that uh ojll and i, I was like yeah it's still a little bit of a different game so we still have a, a ton to learn i think we would uh we'd have we'd have trouble playing some of these teams up can in canada right now but um you know it's again with the first year i think uh, a couple years down the road we'd be able to give them a bit of competition so that's exciting to see uh, you mentioned the Denver tournament you guys were at with the Junior Seals a couple weekends ago. When when we were young and we went traveling to tournaments, whether it be you know, you know, across Canada or the Canada Day tournament in Calgary, those were the fun times when you were a young kid because you got to travel with your buddies, you got to run around the hallways of the hotel room and do the pool and all that stuff. But the Denver tournament is a really quality lacrosse tournament. How much fun did your young kids have, maybe at their very first large scale tournament? Oh yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. I mean, uh, especially this last year, we're not being able to do a whole lot with your friends. For the kids, just to be kind of around each other and fool around was great. And uh, you know, we did we did really well. I I think for our first, you know, I'd say ninety percent of our kids have never really even played in a box tournament, let alone a, an actual, you know, exhibition game. So for them, it was it was pretty good. You know, our young kids, there's definitely uh, some tears and some stuff in the first uh, first couple of games. It's a little bit rougher than the game they're used to. So um, it was good, though. We we uh, we were able to win the two teams I was coaching, Novice and Pee Wee. We were able to make it all the way to the, the championship. So that was pretty pretty fun. We came up short, but uh, you know most of our kids were first year, and we were I think we only had ten kids for our Pee Wee group. So we were really proud of them, and they uh, they definitely you know they were thrown in the fire. And I was I had the over under at about between my novice and peewee about 10 kids crying and we were we were way under the second day so i was uh, i was pretty happy about that and i think the kids uh definitely got a little bit tougher so it was uh it was fun um and then and the royals played in the california collegiate box across league sort of pseudo california championship this weekend against the north cali dragons um you guys win two games you're going to the nationals what do you like about this group of kids and, and how they're adjusting to the box game yeah, I think I think in terms of raw talent, we have a ton of kids from, you know, Marquez White, who's a big name. He's, he's going to Princeton, hasn't played yet. And and then we've got a lot of kids, um, you know, that were really good in high school out here playing in Torrey Pines and a ton of success. So we've got lots of, uh, you know, field across talent. And like I said, these kids are really coachable and Cam does a great job working with the defense. And, you know, I'm throwing a lot at them offensively that you know even a lot of our junior a kids in, in bc or, or ontario would uh, a couple of things might even be new to them but um they picked it up pretty quick so a lot of it is just kind of adjusting to the speed of the game and and um 
I, I think we'll, we'll have some good success. So you, you never know, right? We, uh, we had a couple close ones against uh, North California. And um, I think in the end, we had quite a bit of depth that helped us, right? In terms of uh, we have probably 10 old guys that we could play. And so um, that, that helps quite a bit. And it's just kind of finding the chemistry. And um, I think the big thing is, is shooting the ball, right? Finishing. So these kids aren't used to us shooting on a goalie with a small net and, and big pads. Right. And so we got lots of chances, but, uh, you know, our outside shooting was, <laughs> was a little bit off and then inside we were a bit snake bitten. So we'll work on that this week, but I think that's kind of the big thing for us offensively. Um, we talk about this group being sort of the, the first real wave of Americans that are going to be entering the national lacrosse league in a half. Yes. There's spurts of, you know, three, four guys coming in each year, but the more us box does and the more this, um, college box league continues to grow kids. We're going to see more and more Americans entering the box game. And, and one, I think a lot of people are excited for is Jake Govett. Um, how good is he as, you know, a, an American with Canadian hands? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can tell Jake um, is one of the kids who's been playing for a while. He's uh, he's a lot kind of smoother and, and understands the game a bit more. And he did a great job um, just opening things up for guys and, I know off ball is what a lot of these Americans haven't played uh, are still working on trying to understand because you can get away with a lot more. Right. And you can get guys open and get yourself open that way. And, and Jake did that really well. And I mean, he was even snake bitten this weekend. Their goalie played, played really well, but he did a good job opening things up for other guys and had some, some really nice assists. And um, the, yeah, the third game when we got the, the final sweep, he made a great play to get the ball to Zach Snyder with like a second left to score. So He's great, um, and he helps out a lot, right, teaching other guys um, some things on the fly, which is good because, you know, when you're opening the gate and trying to coach at the same time and, and doing all sorts of stuff, right, uh, you know, you can only wear so many hats, so it's great having him out there. And, um, yeah, I think you're going to see a, a ton of, um, you know, American influence now coming in with this, not only in places like Ohio and upstate and, and a lot of these U.S. box across, uh, especially Denver, right, where the kids are playing since they're six and seven years old or even younger. And you see that with our novice kids where you're going to have a lot of a lot of kids that have been playing for over a decade before they, you know, even get to college. And so that's exciting for us. Um, I, I use Marquez White as an example a lot, too. He's, he's kind of one of our you know, really talented players, but we're going to get about five years working with him with, with the Royals before he's even draft eligible, which is really exciting, right? So, you know, um, you might get a, a chance where you see a guy like um, O'Keefe, I mean, Macker can go up to Orangeville and play a couple seasons, right? And which is awesome, but um, to be able to do it in your kind of hometown and, and learn from some guys that did play junior A and not have to travel all the way to Canada, I know is really exciting for these guys. And they get to play with their buddies that they grew up playing with and against. And yeah, you see it. They, you know, they have big smiles on their faces after the game and it's, it's just a completely different sport than field lacrosse for them. So it's, uh, I think it's really exciting. I think you'll see, like I said, a ton of Americans start to influence uh, the NOL in the next, you know, few years, whether it's um, a little, quicker than I think, or, you know, if it's five years down the road, but I, I think it'll be um, definitely a big change. Uh, you guys have the SEALs summer shootout this weekend for, for the Junior SEALs program, another great U.S. boxing tournament. This is the first time you guys have done it. How many teams or programs are coming to this? So we're going to have about 30-some uh, teams now. Uh, programs, I'm not sure we're breaking that up because we've got a couple – 
like novice teams that are, you know, we usually have junior seals, but like there's a Carlsbad team. So I, right. I couldn't tell you the exact number, but yeah, for, you know, the first tournament, it's been uh, pretty cool. Cam has done a ton of work to, you know, get this organized and uh, especially at a venue that's not used to doing these tournaments and things like that. It is a, it is a lot of work. So can I mean, again, Cam has been working kind of night and day on this kind of stuff and, you know, it's uh, it's pretty exciting to be able to host it, and it's something we want to do throughout the year, especially in the winter, right? When, especially when this uh, kind of COVID is, dies down across the border, and we can, you know, get some teams from Canada that are dying to play some box in the winter. But uh, you know, we can do it down here all year round, out in sunshine. So I think we're gonna get a, you know, a lot of people that really want to come down to San Diego, especially in January, where yeah. the weather's pretty similar to now. So. We're, we're pretty spoiled in that aspect, but, uh, no, it's, it's a great start and we're pretty, pretty excited for the weekend, but there's still, uh, still a lot of work to be done. <laughs> uh, is, does rusty bird make an appearance this weekend? <laughs> no, I think I've got too much time on my hands. Uh, <laughs> coaching and I, we're going to be, yeah, with novice peewee bantam and, and midget, right. And there's only a yeah. couple of us. So you're sometimes coaching, uh, four different teams in one day. Right. So it's, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a lot that rusty bird character come about was that just uh, a time killer that's something you needed to do to keep you sane during the break yeah it was uh it was like kind of at the time when we weren't even allowed to especially in the states we weren't even allowed to kind of leave your house or do anything and we were you know joking about you can't really even play uh pick up basketball or we played ping pong in the office uh against each other and all that kind of stuff so it was kind of more of like a funny video we made uh um you know keep some people laughing in the office and then uh well, yeah we thought we didn't have you know there's not a lot of lacrosse content and stuff like that so they asked me to make a a couple of videos just to, to um yeah it was pretty fun doing it but uh no it's it's always good to you know when people can either you're either laughing with you or they're laughing at you but at least they're laughing right it was <laughs> kind of a, a pretty brutal time in the world so it was it was something that we just wanted to do to, to keep things light Absolutely. And it's been great to, to have those last, but it's also been great for you to be able to get some lacrosse in for the body. How's it felt, uh, you know, traveling for the PLL and getting some games in and finally being able to play some actual lacrosse? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was uh, kind of unlucky. I uh, tore the hamstring like right in training camp and then was trying to battle through a few games. So that's never fun. And, you know, that's kind of what happens sometimes. You're not in game shape and there's only so much you can do to replicate it uh, yeah. in the training. But you go, you get one of those long 15-hour days going from San Diego to, to Boston and then go off the plane and try to run around. So it happens. But, um, no, I'm feeling pretty good. So hopefully um, be able to get in now when uh, when we play in Albany and um, try to get a playoff push going. It's, it's kind of crazy with uh, how short the season actually is, right? You, mm -hmm. It seems a little bit long and drawn out through the summer, but you really only have about about 10 games before playoffs. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that is. But uh, in the meantime, got my hands full with, uh, with coaching the little guys. Absolutely. A um, couple more here for you. Uh, I, I often ask the the guys that played on that 2010 Coquitlam team, uh, since you're wearing the shirt, uh, about that mental cup run that you guys went on. How special was that team? Because when you look at the roster, the amount of guys that went from that Coquitlam team and that are now in the NLL still is remarkable. Um, you guys were a really special group. How fun was it to be a part of all that? 
Oh, I mean, it was it was pretty unbelievable, especially being from Coquitlam and, you know, playing with guys like Robert Church and Ben McIntosh when I was younger. I played up uh, a couple of years. So, you know, and, and my brother's friends that were on the team and it was uh, it was pretty cool. And that was kind of the thing, you know, I even then you didn't realize how much talent we had with, you know, a guy like Mark Matthews. And you, then you look at Riley Lowe and, and Billick and Beers and all these guys, you know, Beers was the only one playing in the NL at the time. So. I think it was pretty special just to be on a team that was so tight knit and such a good group of guys. And we just had so much fun. I, I, you know, you don't realize until like five or six years down the road, all these guys end up being, you know, NL superstars and how stacked the team was. But um, just at the time we, we enjoyed, uh, we just enjoyed being together. And that's kind of the, the best part about, um, you know, junior lacrosse is it's kind of all your buddies and there's only about 20 to 25 guys on a team. Right. So it's, it's a really tight knit group where that's what we're kind of trying to build down here with the Royals. You know, you go to a college team and there's sometimes, especially now with COVID, there's like 75, 80 guys on a team. Right. It's hard to, you know, even have like a team gathering and, and, and things like that and, and get organized when um, most of the guys living in Coquitlam, right. Or a stone's throw away from each other. And you go to the, go to the beach, have team parties all the time. And it was, uh, it was just a really fun group of guys and to be able to win and winning Coquillum was something, you know, I'll never, never forget. I think that was one of the most special uh, kind of moments of, of my career. So uh, that was pretty cool. And like I said, we're trying to replicate something similar like that with a local team down here. And you're also trying to replicate that with the actual seals and, and being down there and a part of that group, uh, December 3rd seems like it's so kind of far away, but it's not. How excited are you to get into camp and get this thing going? Yeah, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been too long. So miss a lot of guys that you know, haven't seen in a while. And uh, it's such a fun team and good group of guys. So, you know, bringing in some good draft picks and and looking at some some free agent signings is, is always exciting. But our core group of guys is, is uh, it's really special here. So, again, it can't come uh, soon enough. December 3rd seems pretty far away, but um, you know, it's finally nice to have a date and, and something to look forward to because uh, like I said, it's just, it seems like it's been, uh, been forever since we've gotten this group together. Wes, appreciate your time as always. Have fun this weekend in the sunshine with all the junior seals. Good luck. And uh, we'll see you when camp starts, my man. Thanks, Teddy. Yeah, it looks like the sun just came up out as soon as you said that. So that's no, great. Uh, thanks for everything. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. That's Wes Berg of the San Diego Seals. Coach Wes Berg of the Junior Seals and the Royals. And the Royals are off to the national championships for the collegiate box across league after winning a three-game series with the Northern Cali Dragons. Uh, we talked a little bit about Wes about that. And just the amount of kids in just this past couple of seasons that the junior seals have been a thing that are now playing box across and really loving box across is phenomenal. And we're seeing that across the United States with everything that us boxla is doing. And this collegiate box across league is catching on like wildfire. And there are more and more pockets of collegiate players wanting to play the box game because they're seeing, not only are they seeing that box is such a great sport, but they're also seeing how box skills will translate to better field skills because they see what the Canadians are bringing to the field game. 
And it is so amazing to see the growth of the game in the United States. And like I said, it's going to take time to build those programs. But if you look at the Denver Elite program, and that's really the the flagship for U.S. Box, if you look at what that program has done and how far they have come, to be able to, you know, in the first few years of playing and going north to Canada to play in some of the prestigious tournaments up there. And in those early tournaments, they were getting waxed pretty good. To now being able to go up and win medals in those tournaments. And for U.S. boxlet teams to be coming up and winning medals in those tournaments is a testament to the work that all of these kids parents and the coaches are doing and it is absolutely phenomenal to see i'm so excited for the growth of the game down south and to see this truly next wave and real first wave of box raised american players it is going to be phenomenal and i said it a long time ago the first time i saw that u.s box the traveling team at the Trevor Wingrove tournament. That was like seven years ago, maybe. And I said, once these kids can combine their natural athleticism with the skill set that it takes to succeed in box lacrosse, they are going to be scary. And we're already starting to see it with guys like Connor Fields and Matt Rambo, John Rannigan. The list goes on. It is only a matter of time before Americans are being drafted in the first round. That may sound far-fetched, but it is going to happen, mark my words. In the next few years, there will be Americans taken in the first round with high picks. It's going to happen, and I, I am here for it. I am here for it. Um, I'm going on vacation. So I'm trying to compact the information that we got from this week into a quick shortened show because I just want to get on a beach with a pop or two, kick my feet up, and relax for a few days. So there are a few things that uh, we need to talk about. Obviously, we talked about the Lomas injury in the opening game on the MSL. But the MSL is back. They are playing games, as is the Ontario Junior A Lacrosse League. All games are going on at the track. And all games are being web-streamed for free. Absolutely love that. All games are for free. On YouTube. Thanks to JVI. Um, so you can check out some absolutely phenomenal lacrosse out from Ontario. Uh, In BC, the BC Junior League is slowly winding down its regular season, both in Junior A, Tier 1, and Tier 2. 95% of those games are being streamed for free on bcsports.tv. As are the XLL games, which is the, I don't know, semi-semi summer pro ball league that's going on in Vancouver. Uh, Dane Doby scored a 200-foot buzzer beater. Yes, Dane Doby was playing defense, folks. Dane Doby was playing defense. Sort of. 
Um, so there's there's still lots of lacrosse to watch. Um, so if if you're stuck at home in this latest heat wave that's about to happen out here in BC, um, put your feet up, grab yourself a cold beer, stay in with the air conditioning, and turn your computer on and check out some box lacrosse games. Um, speaking of games you can watch this weekend, the PLL is back in full swing. Uh, it's their second to last week. Crazy, right? They had the All-Star break, an extra week off, and now they're out east. Are they in Albany this weekend, maybe? And then they come back to Denver for the final week, and then they do playoffs. First team gets a bye. Last place team is eliminated. And then the middle teams play down. I kind of want to see the Atlas win it for the sole purpose of seeing Jeff Teat continue to take the field game, the pro field game by storm and win rookie of the year and MVP. I would love to see. That's what I'm hoping for. So I'm fully on Bulls wagon right now and the Jeff Teat train. Weird news from Steve Deep Fryer uh, that came out today. He had his lacrosse gear stolen. His goalie gear. I believe like out of his storage locker at his apartment. Now this happened to, I want to say Dylan Ward. A few years ago. And in Colorado, he was like airing his gear out, out front of his place and someone stole it all. What? Why are you stealing stinky goalie gear, man? That makes no sense to me. But if you're in the lower mainland area and you see Rochester Nighthawks lacrosse goalie gear, helmets, colors, gloves, Steve Fryer pads, anything like that, get a hold of Deep because that's just ridiculous. The guy's getting ready to go to training camp and someone goes and steals his gear, hawks it all for God knows what. Uh, so hopefully Deep can, uh, can find his gear. And uh, you can get back to being in between the pipes. Um, let's get the transactions out of the way now that I think of the Vancouver goaltending situation because uh, they just traded for Alex Bouquet uh, from the Albany Firewolves in exchange for a fifth-round selection in 2022. Bouquet uh, is living out west. He has ties with the New Westminster Salmon Bellies of the WLA, which in turn gives him ties to Dan Richardson. Um... But Brad Chowner, Warriors color guy and all-around good guy, um, let us know that the Warriors currently have now Eric Penny, Alex Bouquet, Brody Harris, and Mateo Tack in their goaltending depth chart. Um, they left Steve Fryer unprotected. Brad feels that uh, Steve will be in Warriors camp, so that would probably give them five goalies in camp for October slash November which makes a pretty good goaltending battle between all those guys. So that was sort of the biggest news from yesterday. Um, Riptide signed Tyson Gibson to a one-year seals give NLL loose ball King Brody Merrill a one-year deal, and The Rock signed Sheldon Burns to a one-year deal. Uh, the day before that, Bandit signed Buc Kevin, uh, Kyle Buchanan, one-year deal. Jake Withers gets a five-year deal with the Thunderbirds. Taylor Stewart gets a one-year deal with Panther City, and the Seals qualified 
West Berg. Uh, Roughnecks qualified Del Bianco, Pace, and Zach Courier. Mammoth qualified Zed Williams. Um, Hossack was qualified by the Thunderbirds. Reed Reinhold got a one-year deal. Pat Aslanian gets a two-year deal with the Colorado Mammoth. And I know a lot of people are excited to see what Pat can do in the indoor game after um, the explosive season in the outdoor game he had a couple years ago with the Denver Outlaws and the now-defunct MLL. And one more for you, Ryan Tarafenko. Three-year deal the Halifax Thunderbirds, and this guy is an absolute beast. If you've never seen him play, um, make sure you watch the PLL this weekend because he is an absolute short-stick defensive beast. And I really like the idea of him translating into a defensive trans transition specialist for the Halifax Thunderbirds because he is a monster of a man a freak athlete and his game is perfect for the NLL style of lacrosse. Don't forget free agency begins on Sunday. Check out at NLL moves on Twitter. He has all the information you need for free agency, who the free agents are, who the UFAs are, RFAs, who have been qualified, who hasn't been qualified. And when Sunday comes, be prepared for chaos. Because, as I mentioned, there are 25 at least solid UFAs that are out there. Some guys, like I said, are captains of teams and I don't really see them going anywhere quite yet. But stranger things have happened in the National Lacrosse League. If you can bring a guy home, offer him franchise money, there are some big factors in trying to get these guys. And it is all likelihood that we are going to be seeing some big names on the move on Sunday and the days after that. That'll do it for another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at... Off the crossbar, Instagram, OTCB podcast, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Want to wish all of the junior SEALs the best of luck this weekend at the SEAL Summer Shootout. Have fun, fellas and ladies. Thanks to Wes Berg for stopping by and giving us a chat. Next week, who knows what big signings we'll talk to because there are going to be a few. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy all of the games. And until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw. I was born an outlaw son. The highway is my legacy. On the highway I will run. In one hand I have a Bible. In the other I got a gun. Don't you know